Welcome to How Did You Manage That, a podcast where we talk to music managers about their journeys, the lows, the highs, and everything in between. I'm Sophie. And I am Ali. And we are here every second week with a brand new podcast, hearing the stories from some of the most interesting, innovative and exciting new artist managers operating today. So this week's guest is a guy called Matt Dodds, and he heads up Ditto Management. If you think you might have heard of Ditto before, Ditto are actually a distributor. So if you put records out in the past, you might have gone through them, but they now have a management arm. And Matt has been called to head that up. He looks after some incredible talent already, the likes of Big Zoo, Nathan Dore and Bobby Lewis. Matt, I guess, got his start through an internship, basically looking after one of the greatest comebacks in urban and pop music in the last decade. There's loads in this episode, loads of really interesting insight, loads of things he's tried with his arguably most famous act right now, Big Zoo, and some different ways to get his music and his name out there. So yeah, it was a really fun episode to record. Sophie and I recorded it on the top floor of this lovely office in London, a top floor of a room that was definitely part of a new company because there was like two chairs in the whole room and just this massive empty office. That was cool. A big thank you as always to our sponsors, AWOL, and our supporters, the MMF, who help us get the message out there about the podcast. And thank you to you for listening and all the amazing messages we get each week when we put a new episode out of people saying how they feel about the things we've been chatting about in the episode. Yeah, and thank you so much for all those messages. They are great. If you want to tweet us while you're listening, the Twitter handle is at ManageThatPod. It's the same for Insta as well. So let's get on with it. Here is me and Ali chatting to Matt Dodds from Ditto Management. I have littering hit, the podcast. I've hit record. I thought we uh, had already started. All right, no, no. Just, just warm me up. Big up, big up St. Mirren. Yes. And Hansel <laughs> Okay, we are in Shoreditch in London. We are in a fresh office. It's is so what I'm going to call it. It's so fresh. So fresh. We had to go and so find clean. a third chair from downstairs. <laughs> but it is a very nice top floor office. It is. In Shoreditch. And uh, Sophie and I are joined by Matt Dodds. How are you doing, man? I'm really good, thank you. How are you? Good. So let's take it back, shall we, to you were obviously at a very successful management company called Gem before you moved over to Ditto. Yeah. How did your career in music start? Did it start at Gem or was it before that? Well, I, I started doing music when, like, management. I wanted to be in music management when I was, like, literally from about 14 or 15 years old. So in school, I used to, like, not... I did badly in school. Like, didn't get, you know, good qualifications or many qualifications but when I was you know in my breaks I would I remember I had this one book it was Donald Parsman's Guide to the Music Industry and I used to read that in my break times and highlight it and I literally had no fucking clue what I was highlighting <laughs> and you know what if I read that book again I probably still would have no fucking clue what I was highlighting <laughs> yeah but funny enough the one thing I do take from that is is a uh, I, I learned from that book a record advance it was the only thing I remembered from that book um but if I've still got it at my house and if, if you look at it you you it's just it's highlighted because I was highlighting shit for n- like no point there was no reason to highlight it um but I used to read that and I used to get into it and then I, I used to like manage acts independently from about 16 17 did internships and then you know I got in with the kind of universal HR department and they kind of wanted the they would give me internships I think I did something at Polydor something at uh Decca and what age were you at this stage? At this stage, I was 17 or 18. So I was doing this in, in my summer holidays. Uh, yes, basically summer holidays. And then didn't go to uni. Um, 
mainly because I didn't get into uni. But also, I didn't want to go. Um, genuinely, I, I just I, I knew what I wanted to do. Um, wasn't looking forward to the mountains of crushing debt. Yeah, I wasn't <laughs> looking forward to that. I, I think I was also in the year where it went up. Uh, so yeah. all my friends that went, they it was literally that year that it all increased. Um, so then, but one of the the internships I got was with Twenty First Artists, which was run by Colin Lester, and at that time it was done at um, you know it was owned by Universal's the management division of that. And then you know after about I think it was maybe just shy of a year, um, I the, the Colin you know whatever happened with that happened and Colin set up Gem Music Group went away from 21st Artists and he bought me and um, my old colleague Alex Fisher w- with me and, uh, and and you know it was we bought Craig David um, there and then that was kind of end of 2013 beginning of 2014 and then I was there all the way until this February Amazing would so. it be fair to call someone like Colin a bit of a mentor? Oh yeah 100% How is that? Can I learn another? Yeah I mean like, listen like, I, I love Colin like he's 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 obviously a character and he's taught me, you know, everything I know. And I think with Colin, he's one of these people that, you know, if you can, if you, you know, you see Colin kind of goes, he's he's genius and he can do like he's when it comes to a deal, he could do a deal. He could get a deal up from 10 grand to 50 grand in five minutes. And it's the thing, you know, but also with him. He's an old. He's got that old school mentality, which is good. And it's if you screw up, he'll let you know about it. So I came from that kind of thing. When and I think, you know, I'm not saying this to sound big-headed or anything, but I think you would struggle to find people in my generation that would last one day with a Colin. And but everyone needs to have a Colin. Right. Is that baptism of fire? It's that baptism of fire. You need it. And. I know now that I can deal with anything or anyone because of Colin and, and that's what I, you know, I have to thank for him because he, he taught me everything. He taught me how to like stick my chest out and deal with it. <laughs> that was it. That's the best thing, I've t- like one of the best things I've taken from him because, and also working with Craig as closely as I did, you're working with an artist that you can't teach anything to him because he's been in it for 21 years mm-hmm. or, you know, when I started working with him, it wasn't as long but by the end it was 21 years so you're I'm learning from like Colin who's been who's done it for 40 years and then Craig who's learning you from the artist perspective of what an artist kind of needs and at this stage I'm 19 when I started and then it just kind of came but when when we left 21st and went to and Jem kind of started that's when everything kind of you know especially for Craig's career that was when everything just reset it was you know just an amazing experience so it, sorry I was just going to say to avoid any awkwardness from Sophie in the podcast Sophie was also part of that Craig she David team was, I have known Sophie since I was a teenager I think since a baby a baby in the music industry 100% and I am literally I'm literally sitting in the room in the middle of you so the gloves are off for this <laughs> that's <laughs> the problem with Sophie she can say anything to, she, she's probably the only person that can take the piss out of me and as she knows me better than most people in this industry unfortunately <laughs> so we'll do, a little, we'll do a little check through at the end of the Exactly, bullshit, yeah. bullshit, bullshit. <laughs> so the following thing you said aren't actually true. Let's run through these, shall we? No, but I was going to bring up Craig David because you were basically there through what could only be described as a rebirth of yeah. Craig David. And it was a remarkable story. It, it was. And I think, you know, like with whatever happens in my career from, from now on, I think that's always going to be being part of that is always going to be one of. And I think, Sophie, you'll probably say the same thing for your career. I think being within that team was always going to be one of the, 
greatest experiences of my life. Like I still I still think about it on a daily basis. Some of the stuff that I got to experience, like, and not just you know, it was just it was just everything because I think you know there's there's breaking an artist that's no one knows, and then there's what happened with Craig. It's completely different because what happened to him, like to to get people into the the, the psychology of 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 it all, is you're taking an artist that has been away for you know from the industry side of things because he was always writing in that time but being away for the better half of 10 years and you are putting him into a world where he's now streaming there's now spotify there's now apple music there's now instagram there's now twitter there's facebook there's social medias off the clock and you are having to come put him into that world but he has a fan base that are also still keep you know keeping up with the fact that social media spotify apple music's all there so what happened with him is somehow managed to get all of that fan base to carry on with him, but then to get the younger fan base to 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 kind of buy into him yeah, as well. And not go, who's and, this old geezer? And who's this old, yeah, not go that. And plus you're dealing with the fact that he's now way over 30 at this point. You've got to deal with, and this is where Sophie and Chris Lay did an unbelievable job. You have to go with radio. Like Sophie will remember when we were trying to get when the baseline drops on radio. I vividly remember being in Colin's car and getting the and and putting. We had just got one extra C list. Me, Colin, and Alex being in the car getting Craig on speaker and us going absolutely mental that we had just got one extra C list. Yes. And I also remember being at at Red Bull when we got our first Radio One playlist with when the baseline drops and literally me and Craig nearly in tears That's and, 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 I, and I remember it's all those things quite like obviously so vividly and but to, to for, for him to have been able to do that and still now carry it on in this day and age is unbelievable because you see other artists like someone let's take Kylie for example she can go get an album and, and it can go it can do unbelievably because it's fundamentally a heritage act and that's amazing she can sell loads and loads of records but for Craig to be able to get a top five single you know, and then, and you know, and a top 10 uh, hit with When the Bass on Drops and however many top 40s in this day and age. And where a number that, one album. And a number one album when, when you have to rely on streaming. It's really quite unbelievable in this day and age. And, and I, I think, yeah, it was an amazing experience. I always used to say to people, I still say now, if I, if I ended up going back to uni and doing it like a PhD, it would be the resurgence of Craig David would be the name <laughs> of my dissertation. Yeah. Because obviously not pulling apart all the incredible work that you did and Colin and Jem and Insanity, the label did and us as pluggers to yeah. <laughs> our own horn and everybody else on the promo side. It was a, almost like a perfect storm. He came back at almost, if you did a graph, there's a point where people were sort of wanting a, a nostalgia resurgence, like people who would, you know, I remember Craig from first time around, I'm in my mid thirties. So I remember most people in their mid-30s now who I went to school with are home with kids and families and whatever. And, and they were just at this point where they they wanted a little bit of a flashback to their youth. And yeah. he came in, if you plot it on a graph, it's like point where people want to go back in time and forget a little about their lives versus Craig David coming yeah. out the other side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was just... And I always remember that selling out the O2 and standing yeah. in that O2 show with you it and was. seeing everybody there from, you know, people middle-aged up to old to, to people 16, 17 and just thinking, this is like, a not a miracle to yeah. undo our own things, but sat there thinking, this is incredible. Like, how does this happen? It, it like, this is... unprecedented, yeah. I think. And I, like, even to, to go on further to that is like, we'd be in, 
you know, airports and you'd have, you know, little kids who are six years old who have no idea what Fill Me In is or Seven Days come up for pictures and then have the mum take the picture and then the mum asked me to take a picture of <laughs> Craig and her. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that was like the most, and, and Sophie's right, when you saw the those two O2 shows, like the mixing crowd, like you would have like 14 to 25 year olds on the floor and then you'd have the kind of 30, 35, 40 year olds in the stands. It was like, it, it was um, it was unbelievable, yeah. and and it, this isn't like you know that you know Craig wasn't away for a couple of years. Craig, he went away like he went away. He carried on writing, but it just showed it was like perseverance yeah. and ultimately a bit of luck as well. So I think it's safe to say that you had quite an A and R input in Craig from that side. Yeah, I think it was more because I number one R and B, hip hop, all that kind of that's my favorite genre. Those are my favorite genres. Number two, I was the young one in that team. So I knew what was happening on the street. Like, you know, and this is why Colin's smart because he knows, Colin knows that he doesn't know who Kay Trinada is. He doesn't know who Goldlink is. You know, he doesn't know who AJ Tracy is or LMA. And he's not in a club, you know, every night of the week, you know. So he's not going to, he's not going to hear these, these, these sounds and what's coming through. So that was my, that was my, niche in a way like my my unique selling point as part of the team the other thing that Colin would always teach me was that as a manager you're everything and A&R is definitely you know part of that and it's also one of my favourite parts of management is the A&R process I'm always going to do it like from a natural I think I'll always stay as a manager but I think that the A&R side of things is always going to be a big part of my my job and I think with you know, I had such a great experience on the, those Craig albums. You know, I'm never going to kind of stop doing that. Like, it's just natural. I'm, I, I, I can't stop it because I, I love it. I love put, I love hearing a song after you've put in a session of a producer, a writer and an artist. It's like, I love it. So you've had that total education yeah. in going with an artist and reinventing them. And that is an experience not many people have. Yeah. Where does Big Zoo come into it? I mean, like, Big Zoo, this is where, like, the industry, like, it... it it, it's mad to me because in all honesty, like I didn't have that much competition signing to. I don't think I had any competition. The only competition I had was Zoo himself because <laughs> he, you know, he's, he's not, wasn't used to having a manager and he, you know, I, I wasn't battling off loads of people, which is just like, it's mad to me because I look at Zoo and I'm like, whether it's when he's doing personality stuff, interviewing people, doing music, doing music videos, performing live, the guy is just so talented and his biggest talent is likability. And I think in this day and age where there's social media everywhere, you have to be likable and you have to have people who are going to buy into you. And Zoo, whatever path it is that is the one that eventually goes off to another level, he's got that likability. People are going to want him to win. And that is more important than a lot of things. If you can mix that with good music, you're onto a winner. And I think like with Zoo, like he's... You know, obviously, I've been managing him for just over a year now. And I think the growth between in that year has been a lot. And that's credit to him because he's, you know, his ambition has kind of quadrupled since we've been working together. And I think he can taste it now and he can see where he needs to get to. And he's nearly and he's nearly there. You know, you always, another thing Colin would always tell me is you always want inward calls, which is maybe an obvious thing to say. But when you keep having to make the calls, there's a problem. When you're getting inward calls and inward traction 
And I remember it with Craig. There came a point with Craig where nothing was going to stop him coming back. It was one thing after the other. It was the corrupt. It was carnival with when the roads got blocked and there were so many people. Then it was uh, corrupt FM. Then it was X Factor. Then it was Love Yourself. Then it was when the baseline drops. Then it was and it was just snowballed and then bang you're at premier stage at Glastonbury. Literally, that's what it was. It was a snowball effect of momentum that just didn't stop. And Zoo, we're getting the same thing. You know, some things that obviously I can't talk about here yet because they're not 100% confirmed, but people coming to us and wanting to do stuff and, you know, him, I think like the other week, he probably had the best day of his, best week of his life. He interviewed Jordan Henderson and (laughs) Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain at Liverpool training ground and three days later was watching Jordan Henderson in the flesh in Madrid pick up the Champions League final, Champions League trophy. I mean, it's what dreams are made of and it's like, you know, and then the same day he had Jurgen Klopp know who he was because (laughs) of the freestyle he did. Like, what people like, it's hard for people to understand but when you manage someone and you speak to them that much and it's so you're so close to them when something like that happens to them it's like it's happening to you so when I saw him in the press conference ask Jurgen Klopp a question and Jurgen Klopp literally is like oh the big man is here I'm like oh my god I've got like his his music which is his priority but he also loves his presenting he's a radio presenter he's you know he interviews footballers on the side he does you know he does loads of film stuff he's he's you know, he's this personality. And I always say to people, it's like, how do you mix, you know, how do you get, the, you know, mix the two? And I think it's literally just using one to elevate the other. And I think with, for every presenting thing, like, you know, I can tell you now, Zoo's going to be releasing a song every month from from March. It'll be every month till the rest of the year. So as long as you keep dropping music whilst doing the personality stuff and that music is high quality you won't have a problem and one will elevate with the other and you can push one to get you know get to the place that you want it to be it's just about the consistency in this day and age of of of, of in the music industry it's consistency it's consistency of releasing music it's consistency of quality of music and as long as you keep doing that one won't be sacrificed um so three months here at yeah. Ditto Music, where Ditto Management, sorry. And um, for those that don't know, Ditto uh, started off life as a distributor and has now grown and made some serious moves. What did you say, 22 offices around the world? That's wild. And you've basically come over to head up the management yeah. side of it. How did that come about? I've worked with Ditto for a while with, with on Zoo stuff and other projects. Um, and obviously they've got a really good team here. And, and listen, like Lee just had an idea. Lee and Joe Mason, who works here, had the idea of you know, having a management division, they they came to me, they were like, look, we want you to head it up. And, you know, obviously I, I had to think about it because I had such an amazing experience at Gem and it was probably like the hardest thing to, to, to have to leave that. But I think you get to a point when you've been somewhere for, for as long as I was at Gem, I think you, you get to a point where you, you know, I, I don't think you should ever get comfortable. And I think... You know, it's it's a weird one because I know people in my generation who have done three, who have got, had three jobs in eighteen months, and I don't agree with that. Like, you need to have some fucking staying power. And yeah. Millennials don't have fucking staying power. Like, that's just you've just insulted that. yourself. You are. It's, it's true though. Millennials don't like not every millennial, but a lot of them don't. And you have to you have to have that staying power and be able to to learn. Like the the problem with people in my kind of I think generation is that we think that we know everything. And the reality is, you know, Colin had 40 years experience. He knows more than me. Alex Fisher had 11 years experience. He knows more than me. It's just facts, yeah? So you have to, you know, take what you can, learn everything. 
And then when you've learned everything, and I, and I, I believe that in a job, you, your learning curve is like, you know, goes up. And then at some point in the job, it's just going to kind of plateau to an extent. Not that I wasn't learning from Colin every day because I was, but I think the amount that you kind of learn, you kind of, you've done, you've done your, your bit and you've, you know, I was there for six years and I think that you have to get to a point where you don't get comfortable, you don't get part of the furniture and you've got to keep moving. And I didn't want to go to a traditional management company because if I was going to go leave, I knew I wasn't going to be able to take Craig with me. And if I was going to leave an A-list artist like Craig and a mentor like Colin, I'm going to a place where I'm taking a bit of a risk. I don't, yeah. don't want to just go to like a, a traditional management company, manage my acts and that's that. You know, yeah, like, check out at the end of the yeah, day. Check yeah. out, man. I, no, I want to be part of something there which I can see like a future and build something. And Ditto obviously off, offered that to me. I suppose there's a point where you were talking about like learning, 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 and then you sort of plateau but I suppose once you've got all that knowledge then you want to think right well now I've got this knowledge how can I flip it on my head how can I do it differently how can I approach it differently and I suppose having an opportunity somewhere like this allows you to do that because it's very much a startup culture rather than a music industry culture 100% and I think that's where the industry is going to eventually go anyway it's going to go into that kind of startup culture world and you know ultimately like you're only as good as you you know the music that your artists make in this industry that's that's just that's facts but I think you need to be put your put your artists and put yourself in a position in the best you know in, a, in an environment where they can succeed in the best possible way and not to say that that wasn't at gem because it was because you had that wealth of knowledge from Colin that would you know that's worth you know an unbelievable amount it was just the reality was that it was I was there for six years and I was just ready to, I was just ready for something fresh. And, you know, I'm, as, I, as I said to you before, like, you know, the average age in this company must be something between 25 and 27. And I love that. That's you brilliant. know, it's, yeah. it's brilliant. One of the things that we always tend to touch on in every episode of the podcast we ask people is about mental health and how two elements of it. One, how do you look after yourself and your own mental health, which is really important, obviously, because if you aren't functioning right or in the right place, you are probably not as good for your artists as you could be. But also, how do you look after the mental health of your artists? Keep an eye on them, make sure that if they look like they're having a hard time or things are stressing them out. How do you balance those two things or do you have particular coping mechanisms for them? No, I, for me, it's, I, you know, I try my absolute best and nine times out of 10, I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I succeed in it is, is to make sure when it comes to my artists, I speak to them every day. Even if I have nothing to speak to them, but I speak to them every day. And that doesn't have to be about mental health or how they're feeling or whatever. It can be about just checking in. things. And, and if it's a busy day, or be speaking to them every hour. But you know, you I, I speak to them every single day. Check in, make sure they're good. More times than not, I have actual things to talk to them about. But I make sure that there's no, you know, there's you know no problems or anything. But I think like being an artist is obviously a lonely, it's a lonely place to be. And when I talk about managers comparing themselves to other managers i mean that's what artists do because ultimately they have to be on social media you know the whole time um and i think that you know so from my part i think your role as a manager is to just keep in constant communication if there's something that a personal matter that's that's happening that takes precedent over any musical thing you know that's just the way it is um and then for for myself like i think you know i i've you know, I don't, I wouldn't say that I struggle for mental health, but I think I've, I've found it um, difficult to 
or and I think I'm just about getting there to kind of separate you know what, what I talked about before getting into that neutral position I think I'm maybe just about getting there don't get me wrong if I have a bad day I still take it home with me but maybe not for not as long and I think you know that is that's 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 the key to it and and I, I you know I make sure that I go out every single weekend like I have fun every weekend and you know I'm doing something after work which may not be work when I play football on Tuesday nights and and keep your life balanced whilst working my arse off at the same time how do you see the role, like you obviously now have an artist management division that's all you've been you've come from a management company where it's just solely <laughs> management but there are a lot of people that you know who have got in touch and other managers we've spoken to who are completely independent and maybe juggle it with other jobs you know maybe they're working in a different part of the industry that's paying the bills but their management is 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 funding it how do you feel about that or could you split your brain in that way or do you need that focus on management's weird because in in one way there's no there's no school for it. I wouldn't suggest, although there's some great music colleges out there, I wouldn't suggest going and doing a management course. You learn from doing it and making mistakes and everything, but I cannot tell you that how valuable it was learning from, from Colin and Alex and getting showered at from time to time, crying my eyes out from time to time and wanting to, wanting to like dig myself a hole yeah. from time to time and, and never come out of it. And that doesn't sound appealing at all to young managers, but I can promise you, you'll go from, you know, zero to to seven or eight pretty quickly. And you will, and then you'll be equipped to go get that extra bit to become like, you know, as a perfect manager, but as, as good as you can be. And I think that you need to... You know, you, if you're an independent manager, it doesn't matter how old you are. If you haven't had that experience where someone has kind of taken you under their wing and taught you and 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 learn and, and and you can learn from, then I think I think it's really difficult to, to get better. Is just learn. That's all you got. That's all you need to do. And I'm still learning now. Now it's switched a bit. I'm more learning about myself and about how to deal with certain situations on my own. But I learn from Matt and Lee every day you know, on, on how they build a business and, and all of that kind of thing. And also learn from my other colleagues um, on the label service and distribution side of things. I'm learning about so much more stuff. That's why I didn't make the decision when I left Gem to go out on my own and do it. I could financially get by, but there's still so much more for me to learn. I just wanted to learn, a, you know, in a kind of slightly different way. Yeah. So let's think about it globally with management and with Zoo in particular. How do you approach that? Obviously, Ditto has that infrastructure, not necessarily in management, but are you looking at it, you know, dominate one territory first and then start moving, or are you looking to make moves wherever there's interest? I think, like, it's... I think you... you Let's, let's take Zoo as an example. Like, you know, his genre of music's not going to travel to America, for example... But the great thing in this day and age is you can look at Spotify and Spotify for Artists, look at your analytics and see that, you know, where your territories are good. For example, Zoo is good in Australia. So we did a sold out tour last summer in Australia, 100 capacity, uh, 150 capacities, three venues, Perth, Melbourne and Sydney. I think Adelaide was in there as well, actually. So I think it was four. And you can't do that. You can do that nowadays because of these. And you weren't, you weren't able to do that before. I can see where those... The, the fan base is so I think when it comes to an international and worldwide perspective it's just looking it's just using your eyes see where see where you're good at see where you're good in, in, in the territories where there's a fan base and see where there isn't and work towards those territories if you can 
you know, with Ditto having 22 offices around the world, maybe not from a management infrastructure at this moment in time, but with an infrastructure that I need a lot more. Sales teams, PR, radio. And when the time's right, I'll be able to clock into every single one of them. You know, the first thing I did when I came to Ditto was make sure that Lee put me in touch with every single head of every single territory, you know, and speak to them and get to know them. And, you know, because eventually I'm going to use that. Otherwise, there's no point of being there. I think what you said earlier about making sure that managers get an experience in management agencies, management companies is the term. I think one of the reasons a lot of managers choose don't want to go in is because they think that if they want to leave, they're not allowed to take their artists they brought in with them. And I think it's quite important to touch on this because I had an email about this a while back and people don't realise that you can have a key person clause, which is quite an important thing, which means that when you start with a management company, you can say that you can contract to say, if I go, I can take them with me. And I think that's quite an interesting thing. I've always wanted to say that on the pod because so many people go, oh, yeah, I want to get experience, but I'm not leaving my artists with the management agency I go in with. So I think that's quite... Yeah. I mean, I'm first-hand experience in that situation and very recently. um, I didn't have a key man clause in it. I did have to go into the room and tell Colin. Do you wish you had a key man clause? Um, It would definitely have made life a lot easier Um, (laughs) and probably wouldn't have completely scared me to such an extent where (laughs) I didn't think I was going to survive. but ultimately, no, I worked out the way it worked out. And fuck me, was it a good experience because the way that felt like it was maybe one last lesson from Colin, the way that Colin... <laughs> Colin um, always learning. Yeah, Colin. always learning. The way, the way that Colin took it really put me into a situation of like, you have to fucking... You, this is like puffing out your chest moment like are you going to survive this you know i won't go into obviously the full the full story but he you know he he you know he wasn't happy like fair play i wouldn't have been either i was probably i've never been more scared to tell anyone anything in my entire life but you know i'm actually quite happy with the way he reacted in a in a weird kind of way because he really he didn't let me off just because he was a mentor he's a mentor to me and that we had this great experience he fucking he treated it like it's his business and all of a sudden I was in this moment where it was like what are you gonna do Matt like that was what you know Colin was thinking like you know you can't take you know these artists and um you know I had to obviously you know ride it and thankfully you know Colin came around and we and 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 we agreed you know he agreed to let me take them and our relationships is good now so and and you know it was maybe a couple days of of real difficulty and then and then it was fine and obviously I can see why some independent managers would be reluctant to do that but I think what I'd what I'd say is whether you have a key man clause or not obviously try and get one but if that's not going to be you know if you're not going to be able to get that then learning you know what you're going to learn is almost more valuable and really when it comes to key man clause, yes, it's business. And, but there's also an element of ego in it as well. And I think what you need to do is part of the ego, go into environments and places where you're going to learn and be a better manager. And when you want to leave and take those artists with you, you cross that bridge when you get to it. And I know that seems a little bit careless, but I wouldn't let, if the key man clause is a sticking point, I definitely wouldn't let a, 
you know that get in the way of ultimately what your your knowledge increasing by 50 60 70 percent because you know that's more important so but i do i do understand it but get yourself a salary man get yourself a salary like learn like don't be you know worried about when your next paycheck's gonna come and get an infrastructure that's gonna better your artist and then go and do it yourself that's what I'd say. Otherwise, you're never going to get to that next stage. I mean, some people do, and they're amazing. That's great. But a lot of people are just going to fucking struggle. That uh, I love that you called that almost like the last lesson from Colin. Because it is. Because <laughs> one of the ultimate things that we get from these chats and any managers you talk to, you've got to be really comfortable in really horrid situations. That's kind of, of the crux of the job. Of course. And you've got to roll with that, and you have that's to. a tough one. <laughs> well, and also, you've got to remember that like, I started at Gem or 20 with Colin at 19 I didn't have any of these artists that I took so when I'm signing artists you know to the to to, when I was signing artists I was never going to get a key man clause like it was just never going to happen so it was a little bit of a different situation but when the time came for me to 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 leave you know I knew I knew the way Colin was going to react like I wasn't surprised and he reacted exactly how he should have reacted you know and I don't begrudge him for that at all like as I said, he did. It was like that one last lesson. And maybe in hindsight, when it first happened, I was a bit angry that he had done this. Oh, I can't, can't believe he'd done this. But now I look back at it, I'm just like, he, if I honestly look at it from a professional sense, because obviously I haven't gone into it in so much detail, but I look at it in a professional sense of if I can get through that, I can get through anything. Because everyone knows Colin in this industry and everyone knows how great of a manager he is. And everyone also knows that you don't want to fuck with him. And I did. <laughs> and he fucking let me know about it. And, and it was great, in a way. And, and it's, it's really weird, and, I, and, and this is going to sound so strange, but during the whole process of it, there was an element now I look back where I fucking loved it. It was like, yeah, come on. <laughs> Who wants it? <laughs> but you wouldn't still have a relationship with him if you'd gone no, back to there's, like, there's so you a, obviously just said he does. It was the, res- it was the respect of it. Like, I respect him so much. And he, I think I like to think he respects me because of having the balls to go do that. And, but, uh, you know, and ultimately it's all worked out. And I, I remember coming in to see you the day after you told him we caught up and I thought someone had died in your family because you walked in and you were pale. Oh, yeah. And you were I was literally just, uh, like shaking. And I was like, what's going on? And you were like, I've told Colin. I'm yeah, because I'm not going to, obviously, I'm yeah, not going to yeah, pretend yeah. to be all cool and say, yeah, yeah, it was calm. You know, I walked in, didn't care. He was like, nah, I was shitting myself. <laughs> but like, also I think... In a weird sadomasochistic way, you can take it as a form of flattery because if you were shit at your job and not adding much value, he would have been like, yeah, just go. But the fact that he fought mm. to, you know, yeah. keep the artist, keep you, is actually, when you look back at it, it's quite flattering. Obviously, you were it really is. good at what you did and he knew that you could help him yeah, build was, this second generation of gem almost and he yeah, didn't want was, to lose that. It was flattering and, and, and I would have been probably a lot more upset if he had just been like, yeah, gone. If that had been the case, I'd be like, oh, that's anticlimactic. Uh, like, when break, like when you break up with someone and you do this big speech and they're like, yeah, I feel the same. Yeah, I mean... What, you, <laughs> you've not got it? I'm breaking yeah, up with you? <laughs> I mean, I probably would have been more upset at that. But, you know, ultimately, like, as I said, the the that whole experience, I think I aged about 20 years after that week. I remember, like, feeling so... When that week finished, feeling so physically and mentally exhausted. Um... And and I think, you know, ultimately, I think, like, whether Colin would admit it now or, or not, like, I think there's a sense of pride there. I think, like, he's, 
you know, and, and ultimately, like, he may do that, he may have done the same thing at my age. Uh, to kind of wrap things up about, I guess it's time to talk a bit about the future. Yeah. What's the ambitions of debt management? I think for me, I'm, I'm, you know, obviously I've got my artist. I think where I see it going is do, for, for me to start doing joint ventures with kind of independent managers that you're saying, that, that we've kind of been touching on, um, bringing in rosters and giving managers a place to work and, 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 and you know, have a roster and, um, you know, an infrastructure behind them. I think ultimately that's what I want to do, not just in this country, but in other countries as well, because we have the um, ability to do that. Obviously, I've been here three months. I'm still finding my feet myself. I've got some busy artists, which is great. And we're on the cusp of some really good things. But that's where I see it. You know, I want to end up having, you know, different JVs with different managers, with rosters. And and if they think they're having a fucking key clause, key man clause, they have another thing coming. <laughs> no, I'm joking. He's learned. <laughs> no, I'm Colin's joking. so proud right now. A tear yeah. rolls down his face no, as he's no, listening I'm to I'm joking. <laughs> like, literally, like, it, ultimately, like, I, that's, that's not what it would be about for me. Like, I don't, you know, I would give anyone that brings in artists, they're your artist. And, and, and I genuinely mean that. And that's where I kind of see it, you know, having a bunch of managers, artists, and, and, and growing it in, in that kind of in, in that way and just making an environment where people wouldn't want to leave and ultimately that's where I see the, the management division going it's early days I said to Lee when I started look don't expect to be making billions of pounds anytime soon and that's why I love the guys because they you know that's not why they're in it they just want to build something and you know I want to turn Ditto into a place where you don't kind of have to to, to leave Ditto for for much you know and, and that's what I want to do whether you're a manager or an artist um, and I think the future is really bright. I think, but as I said, it's just that it's just that you're only as good as the music your artists make. But you have to put your artists into an environment where they can they can create, and you know we'll see what happens. <laughs> nice, nice. That sounds like a good place to leave it. Thank you very much. You uh, knew thank- you had so much wisdom. I really <laughs> didn't know I had so much You've wisdom. Never spoken to me like this, Matt. Um, <laughs> I didn't even think you could put syllables But I've grown together. up a lot in the last um, three months, and um, you, you know, I feel really sentences. wise. I feel really wise now. Maybe I should be part of the podcast. Yes. Maybe I should be one of the um, interviews. Sophie's giving me daggers. <laughs> no, you two can do the football segment at the okay, beginning. Okay, St. Mirren. Discuss. <laughs> did Kenny Miller play there? No, he did not. He didn't. Okay, fine. No. I don't know what the hell you're talking about this is the football po- football yeah. podcast yeah, exactly. Scottish Premier League uh, how did you manage that football manager football podcast yeah, football exactly. God I would love to interview so many football managers that's yeah you so can many. do that on your own maybe that's a new podcast maybe that is oh that would be oh, brilliant maybe that's your mentality you can do a podcast football together. managers yeah you heard it here first how man. many music managers have got Fergie's autobiography in their bookshelf yeah 100% not me I'm a goon I've awesome bangers <laughs> when it comes out <laughs> anyway so we're finished yeah finished football, yeah. all good thanks um, for having me um, I'm here all day but I'm not really because I've got to go do some work okay. we do appreciate the time so thank you man uh, always oh man I could talk to Matt all day long what a personable enthusiastic energetic man definitely and I think one of the themes that sort of sticks out again I keep saying this themes that stick out of the podcast but they do because obviously they work that's why is he talked about with Zoo how it was important to be consistent to keep putting out music but keep having quality control and putting out good music it's just so interesting that we're in this this world now where if you don't want to you don't just have to be an artist you can look at the other stuff that's out there for you and Matt is definitely doing that with Zoo and he's doing it the right way totally and you know you joked at the start of the episode about the football 
football chat that me and Matt had, but that came up very naturally, and I think that's such a big part of Zoo's character that Matt has been helping him cultivate. You know, that story with Jurgen Klopp, the Liverpool manager, literally calling out Zoo when he was over uh, the Champions League final, interviewing him. It was amazing, and, and Jurgen Klopp knew about the Liverpool rap the zoo had done I was like that's such a creative way to get people talking about your artist so thank you once again for listening guys like I said you can tweet us our twitter handle is at manage that pod it's exactly the same for the instagram so we've got two more episodes to drop then we are done for this season I know but we are going to do a special episode probably won't be released straight after our final episode maybe a few months later um, where we're going to be just breaking down some of the interviews talking about our favourite bits and also if you guys have any questions anything you'd like to know about us or any of the interviews please fire them off to us you can do it through Twitter you can do it through Insta just let us know all of the love to our supporters in this podcast, the Music Managers Forum. If you need any information about the life of a music manager or any support, get on their website, mmf.net. And a big thank you to our sponsors, AWOL, who obviously are an incredible distribution company who want to empower the artists to put our music when and how they want. They've also done us a snazzy landing page for our podcast. So we'll put the link to that on our social media. Go check it out. It is all the episodes in one place and God, it looks so pretty. Thank you, guys. That was know, nice it here. It looks like we know what we're doing. It's amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys. And let us know what you thought of the episode, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Cheers. Bye. How Did You Manage That is brought to you by the MMF and sponsored by Able. The podcast is produced and hosted by Sophie Pallock and Annie McRae. Original music by Callum Wiseman. <laughs>